Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Oh, it's exciting to be in the house of God tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, greater things. Greater things are going to happen in your life. Do you believe that? Speak that. Don't accept anything else but that. God's got a greater plan for me. Amen, amen. In the book of Acts chapter 2, we will take our text there tonight. And uh, I know my dad was with y'all last Wednesday. And uh, isn't isn't, isn't it something special? Amen. And I appreciate him coming and preaching and talking about Bible studies in the home and it's exciting all the souls that I've seen led to the Lord discipled under his ministry that are still living for the Lord today it's very very powerful in the book of Acts in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1 it says and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place Everybody say all. Uh, There was a collaborative worship that was happening. Uh, Just a few verses before in chapter 1, it tells us in verse 15, the number of the names together were about 120. 120 people gathered in an upper room. And uh, when they did, God responded to that gathering. You believe that? They were united. Everybody was focused toward the same thing. And when they did, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house. Filled that room where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. Notice, it moved all of them, but sat upon each of them. This is not just a collaborative. But he touches us individually even when we're all together. Yeah, you see that. He's personable. You're not just one of a group. Um, and when you go on, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say all of them. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven. And people began to gather around. What is this? He said in verse 16, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass, verse 17, In the last day, saith God, I will, what? Pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. He is quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And he says, on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit what what will happen, and they shall prophesy. If you read on down, uh, he starts preaching the gospel of of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen? Now when they heard this, the multitude that had gathered, which were about, we know 3,000 were added that day, but possibly more would have been there. Uh, that gathered around when they heard the sound of these 120 worshiping God, filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, some of you, if you want to. Oh, no, it's a commandment. How many know it is? And he said, every one of you, look at your neighbor, say every one of you. In the King James Version, what said? And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, they say individually, you and to your and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Just remain standing with me a moment. And with many other war, words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then 
they that gladly received his word were what? Baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's quite a gathering. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Everybody say house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church when? Daily, such as should be saved. It was Pentecostal fires that began to spread all over Jerusalem. How many know that? Pentecostal fires began to spread. It wasn't just a day of Pentecost. It was a daily Pentecost. How can we have a daily Pentecost in 2022? I'm going to talk to you about that, but I think before we just sit down, let's just praise Him again. There is such an electrifying feel, feel here tonight. We praise you on this Wednesday night. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My dad tells the story many years ago that he was working in the coal mines and and uh, if you don't know anything about the coal mines underneath the ground, the coal mines. Uh, it's not only dark, but it's, it's 50 degrees all year long. Underneath the mountain is a 50 degree temperature. And he, he would work in water and after a period of time they would come out and have to pour the water out of their coal mining boots because they had worked in water underground and that called a miserable job. And he said they would build a fire outside and he said they would wring their socks out and out in the snow in the wintertime and stand, man, the things people went through to take care of their families. Thank God for providers, amen. And he, he said he, he, they built a fire and they would get up close to that fire and dry their clothes off on the break time before they go back under and work, work another shift or the rest of the shift. And, and he said he'll never forget one guy began to scoot away from the fire. And he kept walking away from the fire. And said, really, finally, it hit him. I'm a long ways away from the fire, but I still feel the flames. What he didn't realize, his pants had cut on fire. His pants. I wish somehow tonight we'd get so close to the Pentecostal fire that we'd carry it home with us. That's the goal. This is not a Sunday event. This is not a, a Wednesday event. This is something that we come to church on a Sunday or a Wednesday, and we when we leave here, we go... The fire begins to spread with us. I do believe that that's what God wants to do. This is not something where on Sunday you got to come and get revived uh, uh, and resurrected because your life run out, your, your, your oil run out of the lamp. I do believe that there's something that can take place in your life that you can catch on fire, catch on fire, amen, and begin to take it to the job and take it to your neighbor and take it to your family. I remember a great revival. I talked a little bit about it to our ministers yesterday evening in our training session with them and talking about a revival that broke out in our high school when I was 14 years old. God began to move in that school. 16 of them were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, changed their life, laid down their party life and all the things they were doing and God changed them. And it spread from one person to another until, I mean, it, it, it became the conversation of the school what has happened to these people? People that were robbing houses at night and they were growing marijuana in their attic under black lights are now being filled with the Holy Ghost and go back to the school preaching. What happened to them? God had filled them with the Holy Ghost and amen and with fire. I do believe that you can catch on fire and get a passion that will burn in your heart. That will wake you up in the morning and want to pray. It'll make you want to get in the Word and want to know more about Him. I don't want to be twice dead and plucked up by the roots the Bible talks about. Oh, no, I want to be passionate about this. I want everybody around me and near me and in the city, people that have never heard this, to get an opportunity to have what we have tonight, and that is the light of this glorious gospel. Oh, somebody shout Hallelujah. And it's important, the goal of church, going to church collaboratively, as we see that Jesus taught them. I mean, it was already Jewish ways. A uh, synagogue now 
There was, there was a Jewish synagogue, or at least there was, uh, up, up off of Blue Avenue. And uh, what is a synagogue? Uh, we picture a building, but that's not what synagogue means. Synagogue actually means a gathering of Jewish people to hear teaching from the Old Testament. Let me know that. And uh, same way, church does not mean a building. You think, oh, I'm going to the church. You think of 1365 Chamberlain because that's the location of the building. This is a building where the church meets. Church means the ecclesia, the called out. How many know brought out? Because he bought us out and he sought us out that we could be saved tonight. The church is not the building. The church is where the church is the people that gather. Why do we gather in a church? Why do we do that? We have steeples. We got a steeple out here. I, I did a study on that, and some of you remember me talking about it. When they built churches in, in America over the years, when they were establishing towns, the church was the center of everything. You know that? There's no real law about separation of church and state. It's taught that way, but the truth of the matter is, everything came out of the church. Church was the direction for politics, it was the direction for families. It's where you got guidance. And when they would build a town, they would put on the hill, they would put the church. That way when new people came in, they could see the church and it was from the church, they would find direction for their life. So in mid-America, flat, what did they do? There were no hills to put the church building. So what did they do? They created steeples. So the steeple could be seen. So when somebody was coming in, newcomers coming in or traveling through, if you wanted direction for your life, you would go see the high point of the steeple and you would go there to get direction for your life. I still believe the church is the center of every city. It ought to be the center of every school. Amen. When I was a kid, they would still pray over the food before we would eat at the local school. They would. We honor the flag and we would pray over the day. You don't do that nowadays. Separation of church and state because maybe one or two in the school might be offended. I want to tell you right now, we got to get back where there's a revival where the heart, hard hearts of people can be melted because of the people that are on fire. I'm preaching to you today. There is more to this than showing up on a Wednesday. I know you worked all day and worked this week and you've gathered here tonight, but I do believe that there's a fire that we can get a part of that can change the landscape of a people. It can change the heart of some Amen. Some person that's broken and, and hardened and the heart has been blackened with sin. I'm telling you, I know about a God that can come through a people that are prayerful, that can make a change in people's lives. Oh, somebody say amen. And when you begin to look at historically, you'll find that the power of gathering together, even the psalmist David, he, he writes about when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. He says, when I see it that way, and he said, I got discouraged because my moment of life is suffering. I, I've counseled people with that. Let's say, I, I've got a friend that's got all of this stuff, and he lives a terrible life, and he's got all this, and here I am living for the Lord, and, and I'm struggling. There's moments that we struggle. How many know, physically, maybe emotionally at times? Am I, is that right? And uh, maybe financially, the moments, things you go through, valleys. You look over somebody that's wicked, a sinner. And they seem to have it all together. And that's what he's writing about. He said, when I see the prosperity of the wicked, it discourages me. But then he makes this statement in Psalm 73, 17. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. He said, I was discouraged till I got into the, to the presence of the people. When I got there and people were singing, and then I began to consider their end. The only little bit of heaven they have is on this earth. But I got something much greater to look up forward to. Amen. Church is important. Attending church service. Gathering with people. How many know we should? And um, when you begin to look in Hebrews chapter 10, 10 verse 25, I want you to turn there. How often should you go to church? You ever, you ever been asked that? I've had people get mad at me because somebody got saved and want to go to church all the time. I have somebody call me and ring me one time over that. 
I can't believe what kind of church is this that my she want, my sister doesn't want to do this anymore and talking about party and all that and she said and she wants to go to church all the time. What kind of church is it that somebody wants to go to church all the time? I don't know. I'm pretty nice sometimes when people are mean to me, but uh, part of me once said a live one, a church that's on fire. I don't want to have a church I don't want to go to. Church ought to be something you want to go to. Can't wait to get there. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus, the song said. Amen. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. I don't want anything to take place of what God is doing among his people. Look what it says in Hebrews 10 and 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people do forsake it. But he says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why do you go to church? He said the, the closer you got get to the end time, the day approaching, more church should be done. Do you believe that? Sundays and midweeks. and you know, But pastor, we canceled Sunday nights. I, I know. I know we did. I, there's an inner conflict that went in here. Uh, but what I feel here is that the gathering is not just going to be something we do on Sunday mornings. And just replicate that again on the same day. And do the Wednesday nights. What I feel is that on Sunday mornings we come and gather. Because even 1 Corinthians 16 talks about on the first day of the week. You bring the collection in to send to Jerusalem. Talks about giving there. You come together. Why do you come together? He says here that let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. It's not good that a man should be Alone. How many know it's a dangerous place to live alone? I've had people say, well, me and Jesus are just like this. Well, we're like this. And he was drunk while he was telling me that. It's true. Oh, I mean, he couldn't hardly get it out. But they were him and Jesus were just like this. He needed provoked to love and righteousness is what he needed. And if we're not careful, what I have seen is in Jesus taught us the power of being together. How many know it? You have a hundred sheep and one strays away. Is that right? He left the 99. Why? Because there's power in being together. Look at your neighbor and say there's power in being together. Anytime the devil starts attacking your spirit, guess what you're going to want to do? Stay home. Stay home. And he's going to try to separate you from the flock because every lion is going to come after the one sheep that's alone. And that's why the shepherd left the 99 and went for the one because the most dangerous place to be spiritually is all by yourself. Isolation is elimination. I mean, no, it's true. And I would teach young people when I began to bring people to the church and invite them to come to church. They weren't used, they didn't know you're supposed to go to church. And I talked to them, they come, they'd give their life to the Lord, they'd be delivered, powerful experience. I was sharing it last night, and then I'd call them. I mean, talking about life changing. They they would weep and cry. After repentance and conversion and baptism, receive the, 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 the power of the Holy Ghost in their life and watch them weep and cry. And a couple weeks later, I call and say, hey, just check it on you. Look forward to seeing you. Well, I don't know if I'm coming. I'd say, hold on. I wasn't old enough to drive, but I, I still, it was close enough to run to. I'd run down, had access to their house, run up the steps, go to their house. because they, they, they let me come to their house. i say, now listen, if you miss one service, you'll miss two. If you miss two, you'll miss three. And next thing you know, you won't be at church. And, and when you're out by yourself, you won't have the mind that you need, and you'll go back to the ways that you were. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. I mean, I've seen that. And he said, you'll go back. We have to understand all of us in the building are capable of backsliding. Everybody in this building is capable of going back to the way that you were. Paul made a statement. He said, I die daily. What it's saying is there's sometimes, maybe not all the time, because it can become routine, but there's sometimes we need provoked to love, provoked to righteousness, provoked to pray more, provoked to be a better witness, provoked to have a better attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to, I'm provoking you to have a better attitude. I realize tonight I'm teaching the saints, but you need one another. The Bible says we are members in particular. We are better together. How many believe that? 
That's right, we are better. One of the reasons I combined the services back is because I felt like we had the ear separated from the eye, and the eye separated from the foot, and the foot from the hand. And we had part of you coming to one service and part of the other. And there's just something about the completeness of being together. We need one another. It is dangerous to isolate yourself from the body of Christ. He'll do everything. The enemy will do everything he can to lure you away from a collaborative church service. He will do everything he can. I can't tell you how many times I have seen somebody come to the Lord. And when they come to the Lord, oh, I'll see you Sunday. Family member stops by. It's like that cousin that they haven't seen in years just shows up. Oh, I'm not going to be there tonight. Why not? Because cousin so-and-so is coming by to see me. Haven't been here. And I thought, the devil's using your cousin. So I call and tell them. I say, you know what you ought to do? Tell your cousin to come church with you. And if they say, I don't want to go to church, you tell them, say, preacher doesn't preach very long. Amen. I'll be back in about an hour and a half, and I'll see you when I get back, but I'm going to the house of God. You see, this sounds out of balance. Somewhere God and your salvation eternity must be a priority to keep your spirit right. I don't want a bad spirit. I don't want the ways of the world. All I have to do is be separated for a period of time until my attitude, my heart begins to change, not from the kingdom of this world. It changes from the kingdom of, this, of, kingdom of God to the kingdom of this world. It becomes an eye-centered life and what is God. And all of a sudden we see who, who, who we are not and who didn't shake my hand and the music was too loud. And I mean, that's true. Nobody called me. One time somebody told me, they said, oh, I got so upset because when somebody told me, they said, we missed you. They said, of course, I got upset when they, nobody told me that they missed me. That's what they told me. They said, for, to tell me, they said, oh, I, where have you been? Well, I've missed you. And they got real offended at it. They told me, they personally, they said, I got real offended because they told me that they missed me. Because I felt like, they can't explain it very well, but. They said, I, again, I'm reiterating, but they said, they turned around and told me, they said, I'd have been offended if they didn't come up and talk to me and tell me they missed me. Truth of the matter is, deep down, they knew they were supposed to have been there. And they were troubled either way because deep down they knew what God had called them to do. We together, everybody say together, we're the bride of Christ. Individually, we're the children of God. Individually, we're not the bride of Christ. Collaboratively, we're the bride of Christ. He's going to present it to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. How many know that? And to be a bride, we need to be together. Do you know when he comes and sounds the trumpet, the bride's going to take off? He compares coming after the church as one. You see that? Look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. Uh, I'm, let, me, let me give you a little catchphrases when you know you're going the wrong direction. If I didn't show up, nobody would miss me. You're, you're, you're going the wrong direction when you say that because the devil's already starting to deceive you. Condemnation. Things are starting to come in. Well, if I didn't go, they wouldn't miss me. Nobody would miss me. That, don't do that. You got to walk in confidence, and that's why he he says in Hebrews chapter ten, not only not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. He goes on down, and he says, verse thirty-five: Cast not away therefore your confidence, with hath great recompense of reward. You've got to have confidence of who you are in Him. I am needed at the house of God. If I'm not praying, who is praying? If I'm not fasting, who is fast? Oh, the pastor is. I'm gonna tell you, it's not fair to put it all on me you got to realize I am a part of the body. I am part, I want you to say this, I am part of the body. You might be the hand, you might be the foot, you might be a toe, you might be part of the head, you, 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 an eye, the ear. You have a role in this. Wouldn't it be terrible if your eye just stopped working? Huh? You need to look at that as if you don't show up that there's something missing at the church. If I don't go, be like a finger missing, a toe missing, a foot missing. I am needed at the body. Listen, I didn't add you to the church. The Bible says the Lord added you to the church. 
No one's ever added anybody to the church. Maybe you convince somebody at some church to sign a membership, but that's a membership of some local congregation. I'm talking about the body. And if he's ever pulled on you to repentance, it was God bringing you to the fold. It was God. If you've ever felt God, it was God pulling you here. I come to preach against every deceptive lie that said you're not valued. You are valued. He's given you gifts and talents and time. Amen to you. I wish somebody would clap your hands and shout, I'm needed. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I am needed. Now look back at them and say, I know you are. We are needed. Tell somebody, look at your spouse and say, we are needed. Turn around somebody behind you and say, we are needed. All the single people in the room, turn around and prophesy. Somebody's not in that seat yet and said, amen. Spouse is on the way, praise God. Listen, we are needed in the body. We are needed in the body. You need to walk in as if you're needed. Don't ever come in as if, no, don't wait on somebody to shake your hand. You go shake their hand. I've been praying for you this week. I've had you on my mind. It is amazing. I remember one time, y- y'all hadn't been here in a while. It was a few years Prayer. I was actually right here in prayer, and the Lord just put you in my spirit. And I started praying for you all. Like 24 to 48 hours later, you and your wife showed up and kids. And on a Wednesday night, run to the altar and repented. Hadn't been here in a while. You know why? Because we are linked even though we're absent sometimes. That's right. Today, some God put somebody in my spirit that has missed some church, and they came and found me tonight. He said, I'm here. And I said, I'm so glad you're here because even though you're absent, you're needed. You are a part of something. If you took that finger right there and cut it off and set it over in the corner, guess what's going to happen to that finger? Huh? If it's not connected, it's going to look like your Valentine's roses after three months. It's going to wither. Beautiful roses that were connected to the root. But when you severed it from the root system of its life giving, when you separate it, it withers and dries up. That's what happens to saints that become severed from the body. We need each other to provoke each other to prayer and to love and to faith. It's amazing when I go to church over the years. God would just impress upon me to tell different stories. And I would talk about when I was a child receiving the Holy Ghost at age 8. And guess what happens in those church services? Children receive the Holy Ghost. Why? Because faith came through the story. And they believed that what God did in me, He could do for them. That's right. Go and tell. There's been moments that I tell stories about a diabetic getting healed. And I remember one time I was preaching in a meeting. Started talking about diabetes being healed. And I said, if you need a healing of diabetes, run up here. You'll get healed. And a lady came up there with tight one diabetes. Come run up. And God instantly healed her right there. Because, amen, provoked faith, provoked love. Talking about the goodness of God. What are you teaching about, pastor? I'm teaching that it is not important to be in church with worshiping with God's people. It's imperative. Give me a person that separates from the congregation, from the 99, and they will eventually fail and fall away. Amen. Why? Because Jesus taught us. He said, He said, we needed two or three will agree on any one thing, I'll do it. Where two or three are what? Gather together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. It doesn't have to be a big crowd, but I need to be with believers. Whether it's a smaller crowd of two or a bigger crowd of three. Whether it's a Wednesday night or a Sunday. I need to be there because it provokes me to do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to provoke me to be faithful. Would you lift your hands and just pray right now? Lord, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm making up my mind tonight. I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's Wednesday and you're here. Praise God. It's Wednesday and you're at the house of God. You need this though. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I don't, I don't want to miss it, do you? I don't want to miss what God has for me. I really don't. Let me stay here for a minute. I don't want to miss what God has for me. I think every service, God has something for you specific. He, he really does. I just feel to pray right now. I want us to pray all over the building. Just begin to pray. God, we need you. We need one another. I don't want to ever feel not valued in the house of the Lord. I don't want to ever feel not valued, oh God, in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name.
Jesus, Jesus walked the streets. Um, Jesus walked the streets for three and a half years teaching, teaching in synagogues on Sabbath days, sitting with a woman at the well. He went to Zacchaeus' house. He, he, he did all these personable things, healed the Seraphonician woman's daughter. He, he was individual. There was times, though, he was with crowds, 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. I mean, the miracles that he did. He had a following, there's no doubt. After his resurrection, he walked for 40, do you know this? 40 days by many infallible proofs. He showed up to his disciples, even showed Thomas. Come here. Walked through the door, didn't even open it. Just ate fish. He walked in the door and come put the finger in my hand. And Come here. Right there where they pierced me with the spear. Could you imagine that? Come on. Because Thomas said, I won't believe it till I see it. When he showed him the, the piercing of his in his side and the nail scars in his hands. Thomas fell to his knees and said, My Lord and my God. How I many know that's what he said? And Jesus said, It's it's better to be to not see and still believe. And uh, but that was one of the proofs. He was seen by many, showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Uh, Forty days of walking. 500 people got out of the grave when he resurrected. Think of it. People showed back up the house and been gone for years because when he died, there was power that came to the earth and 500 saints got up. I think that's powerful. Can you say hallelujah? He, 500 saints are walking around. I mean, people are saying, can you believe this? I mean, think of what that would have been like. And uh, 40 days he walks and... Uh, all these people would have seen him. His disciples were reacquainted with him after being dead for three days and walked 40 days. And, and uh, on the 40th day, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Go to Jerusalem. Wait there. Tarry there. We can't miss the tarrying. I've learned that tarrying will weed out a crowd. Go there and wait. And they went between 40 days there was a few days, Pentecost would have been a 50th day since he was killed at Calvary. But they go to Jerusalem and there was 500 that watched the Lord ascend. Everybody say 500. 500 people. That's a quite a crowd. 500 were at the Mount of Olives with the Lord descended up into heaven. They watched it happen just like Elisha. He watched Elijah go into the heavens. He said, now I want, oh, he told 500 people to go to Jerusalem. You know how many showed up? 120. And my thought tonight is, am I a part of the 120 or am I a part of the 380? I want there to be something in this end time that says, I don't want to be a part that, that faded away. I want to be a part that waited until he comes. Oh, did you hear what I said tonight? Because there has to get something in us that says he's doing something powerful. And if he said, wait, I'm going to wait on a Wednesday. I'm going to wait on a Sunday. I'm going to wait in an early morning prayer meeting. I'm going to wait in a Bible. I'm going to wait with a fasting. I am going. I'm going to be a part of the until Pentecost come. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. This church is here because somebody came on a Wednesday. This church is here because somebody came on a Sunday. Somebody showed up in a 50-day prayer revival when Bishop Ferris called a 50-day prayer revival. And they said, we believe God's going to do something. There's going to be a revival. Backsliders, and guess what? Many of you in this building are the product of one of those prayer meetings that you're here because anytime you wait, amen, he brings something to pass that's powerful. Come on, is there 120 in the building? that says I will stand and wait I'll be a part of the crowd that waits I'll be a part of the crowd that'll tarry hallelujah somebody shout hallelujah hallelujah I'm telling you where this is going, Brother Gladman. It won't be long. You'll be calling me and saying, Pastor, I've got three people to baptize that I've been teaching a Bible study to the last few weeks. Is it okay if I baptize them? I'm going to say amen. Go baptize them, Brother Gladman. It's not going to be long. You're baptizing on a Monday, and uh, Brother Russell's baptizing on a Tuesday. 
Brother Eric Edwards, you're not just going to be preaching this Sunday, teaching at 10 a.m., but you might be calling on a Wednesday and saying, I've got somebody that I met at a restaurant that God moment. It was just one of those opportunities. And is it okay they've given their life to the Lord? Can I go ahead and baptize them? Don't even call me to ask me. You see, what started on a Pentecostal day with 120 people that waited until started something that could not be stopped every single day of the week. It started in an upper room, but it was fulfilled and kept alive in a living room. And the Bible tells us that the apostles, they went to the temple daily and prayed. Everybody say daily prayer will lead to daily conversion. Is it possible the reason churches seek conversions on Sundays is because that's the only day that the church is praying? But you give me a church that will start praying every day. I'll show you people converted every day because there's power in a daily church, not just a Sunday routine. Oh, I feel him here tonight. There's a family member about to be saved, but somebody's got to build the altar. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's apostolic fire. It's Pentecostal fires that begin to go from the church house to the living room of your own house. Somebody say amen. You can be seated. Do we need to meet collaboratively? It's in the Bible. We need it. You need to come and hear pastor preach. We've had more guest preachers than we've ever had in a short amount of time since I've been here. And it was right. I want to preach. Because while they're preaching, I'm thinking about I'd like to be preaching. Amen. But we needed it. I was trying to focus some time on prayer. But I felt led. Some visitations of the Lord. And I've told you some of the things that God has put in my heart. I do believe. I'm 100% sure we're going to have new property down there. And I'll show you pictures and plot maps and all that. That's coming up. And uh, we're moving forward on that. And we'll have a business meeting vote on as, as, as in our bylaws. So don't worry, I haven't, I haven't overstepped anything. But what I do want you to know, there is something greater that's ahead. But it's not going to happen without a Pentecostal fire. It's not going to happen without an apostolic altar. It's not going to happen just a Sunday morning mindset. I'm telling you, there is gifts that are about to burst forth out of your life. There's things that have been dormant in your spirit that are about to come alive because that's what happens when altars are built. What you've been designed to do begins to be fulfilled in the time that God has called. I feel today. Come on, Esther. Do you not realize you've been designed for the time? You've come to the kingdom for such... Oh, jump to your feet and shout, shout such a time as this. Come on, jump to your feet and shout such a time as this. Woo! Here's the question. Can God, God move at the Buckeye campground? Buckeye Lake campground? How many know God can move here on a Sunday? Here's the question for you. Is God limited on Sunday or can he move on Monday? How about Tuesday? How about Wednesday? I want you to shout your address out right now. Boy, I didn't hear one of them. Can he move at that address? If he can, then why not start a prayer meeting in your home? Why not start a prayer meeting, amen, a Bible study in your house? Come on, you said it. Well, I'm Pentecostal. Are you? Or are you just a tongue talker? There's more to it than just speaking in other tongues. I'm thankful for that, that initial sign of the Holy Ghost that comes in and you begin to yield your tongue, your body, and you begin to pray in the hell. I'm thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you there's a whole lot more to it than speaking in tongues on a Sunday. How about teaching with that same tongue on a Monday? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It works. Look at your neighbor and say it works. Be seated. Can I have a few more minutes? The power's in the gospel. The power's in the gospel. Some people think, well, if I was better looking, if I had a better diet, or if, or if I had a better education, if I went to seminary, then I could, I could teach somebody. Nope. Your degree, pastor name, does not make you a more powerful Bible study teacher. I'm not saying you shouldn't educate yourself. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed. Write it divine of the word of truth. I think it's 2 Timothy 2.15. 
You need to study. I'm not telling you not to study. But some of you would study for 20 years and still not feel good enough to do it. What I have learned is the power is in the gospel, Brother Chris. That he can move past my grammatical errors. I only have one or two a year. And all the educators said, mm-hmm. Listen, we're going to make mistakes. But the power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel. It wasn't preachers that got the gospel out of Jerusalem. It was saints. It was saints. Everybody say it was saints. And in 1 Corinthians 16, here's your homework. 1 Corinthians 16, go read it. He said to Aquila and Priscilla that who had church in their house. And they were addicted to the ministry of the saints. I do believe sometimes we brought something from, from, from some old traditional religions to where only the pastor can go to God for us. Only the pastor can teach. Can I tell you, that wasn't book of Acts teaching. They went home. I'm going to tell you where apostolics missed it. And I can talk like this because I was raised in this. Apostolics missed it by depending on Sunday school teachers to teach their children about the Word of God. Saved people. Only the teachers, one hour on a Sunday, taught their kids a Bible story. All they ever heard Bible stories was from somebody at the church. And mom and daddy have all this knowledge and never took time to share it with the kids. It was never the will of God for your children to only hear about Jesus on a Sunday and Wednesday. Did y'all hear me? You say, Pastor, you're being strong. I'm being right. And we got to get back to where the, the focus is on the home. And that if, 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 if kids, kids can have a move of God here and realize they can have a move of God at home, that is what's powerful. I taught my children from the time they are very small. There's power when you pray. There's power in prayer. I remember Cindy slipped on ice, fell down. And when she did, Sarah was, I think he was three or four years old. She slipped on ice. He immediately got on his knees and said, oh, Jesus, touch my mommy. Help my mommy right now. She was hurt. He went right to prayer because I told him, you're not too young to pray. He hears you when you pray. Are y'all hearing me tonight? And I'm telling all you young families, if you have children in the home, I want you to stand. If you have children in the house, I want you to stand. You have a child, maybe a teenager, young babies, I want you to stand. I'm going to do my best as your pastor to, to teach the word of the Lord in this church, and they will learn here on Wednesdays. we got a youth pastor who teaches great in there. They have a great service tonight. I know about what's happening. It's going to be powerful tonight. Sunday school teachers teach them from the time they're in the nursery all the way up until they graduate, going to young adult. We're committed to that. But I'm going to tell you, you got to make a covenant. Dad, Dad, listen to me. That boy needs to hear you pray. That girl needs to hear you pray. Listen to me, Mom. Those children need to hear you weep before the Lord. In the church and at the house. They need to hear it. Not just pastor praying. Sometimes I close my eyes and try to listen to my parents pray because I love that praying when they when I was growing up as a teenager. Are y'all hearing me tonight? I repented at the kitchen table after I got a spanking. I mean at the at the coffee table. Went and prayed. Because it was about a relationship with God. It was never shame on you. Aaron, I love you. Now you need to ask God to forgive you, and He still loves you. It was training up a child, Brother Nehemiah. It was training them up to know the ways of the Lord. Can't put the pressure of one hour. Let's all stand to our feet. Can't put the pressure of one hour on a Sunday. Don't think for a minute that I'm saying it's not important. You heard me teach it tonight. It's important. But it's also important to have a move of God in your house. Don't, don't respond to the question. When's the last time you felt God in your house? When's the last time you felt God in your home? Think about it. When's the last time? And because uh, God's about to move in your houses.
Because what God's going to do in this end time revival, this building cannot hold them. Amen? You're awful quiet. I don't know if I've offended you tonight. Uh, but I, I think that we could become so busy with the American dream and the American way that as a dad, as long as i got a house over their head and food on the table, clothes on their body, and getting, sending them, you know, getting them educated, then I, I've done a good job. Oh, no, they need to hear Daddy pray. Mama, I know they got clean clothes and nice clothes and their shoes look good and you worked real hard and you and, and, and they, they've got all these nice things. But has he heard you get a hold of God? Has he heard you get a hold of God? Because guess what? They're hearing everything. Hollywood's intentional. Guess what they're doing? They're not only educating your kids, they're indoctrinating your kids through their music, their videos, and they come out and say, we're after your kids. But I'm going to tell you what's more powerful than any worldly influence is the home. Somebody shout, the home. Do you believe that? Brother Gladman repented at home, didn't he? He always told me, if I ever come to church on a Sunday night, you know, I'm serious. Do you remember that? He said, you know I'm coming to Come here, Brother Gladman. He said, if you ever see me at church on Sunday night, you know I'm going to the altar. That's what he told me. He'd come to church on Sunday nights. And one day, whoo, he texted me on a Sunday night and said, I'm ready. Church was over. We make house calls. Came to your house. He had music playing and right there in that garage beside his house. When I walked in, I could feel the Lord. Well, Jesus had come to where you are. Brother Schultz, so powerful what God did that day. I went in there and he repented. He fell to his knees. I didn't look at him and said, you can only have him. Why didn't you come to church tonight? You'd been there with all of us. You'd have got saved. But, oh, he doesn't do this at your house. Oh, no, it's not the way he did. He left the 99. Because he... Sometimes it happens in the house. Sometimes it happens in the home. Sister Tina, I can see it right now. That at your house, your family member's over, and all of a sudden a conversation comes up, and somebody's heart begins to open. They say, Grandma, I'm troubled. I'm in trouble. And I need God. I'm going to call pastor. You don't have to call me. What you do, you just begin to tell them the gospel. Jesus went to the cross to set you free. And you just ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to forgive you. Change your life. But you don't want to live that way no more. All of a sudden, the temperature of the room begins to change because heaven up. He repented. He repented right there and laid hands on him. He started speaking the heavenly language, was immediately delivered of a 17-year addiction. Instantly. Wasn't camp meeting. Brother Goblin wasn't preaching. The Lord was there. Woo! It doesn't have to happen with your favorite preacher, just your favorite God. Amen. He's able. How many know he's able? I said, come on, let's go tell your wife. Because faith, Tammy was faithful. And come up here, Sister Tammy. Why don't you stand right there? What was that church? showed up at home she prayed and prayed and prayed mama prayed sister Shirley Gladman prayed you know Cindy and I were praying I always had a love for you never treated you any different through all that time just loved you, knew one day look at your neighbor and say one day all it takes is all it takes is just one day, look at your neighbor and say there's power in a one day there's power. How many have loved ones that you believe it? It's just going to take one day. It's just one day. And it's going to turn around. I grabbed him by the hand. He's trembling. He's trembling. The Holy Ghost is all over him. I come in and open the door. And I think I led you in your own house. I went in and I come in and I, I said, Come on, come on, Brother Buster. I said, I said, come in. I said, Tammy Buster just repented. She said, Woo! 
All right, she started praying. It was so powerful. I wouldn't have expected anything different from a faithful wife that was waiting on a one-day moment. There's apostolic fire in the upper room. But I come to tell you, the great revival, the end time is going to be in the living room. Somebody's got to change the dynamic of the home and say, I will teach the gospel. I'll teach it. I'll teach it to a grandson. I'll teach it to a neighbor. I'll teach it to a friend. I'll teach it to somebody. I don't want it to be lost because if the gospel be, is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Everybody look at me. I asked Brother Cody, I said, what would you have me to say? I asked Brother Nehemiah, I said, what would you have me to say if I was teaching about home Bible studies? Both said, it has to be made attainable. Brother Nehemiah said, it's got to be made attainable. It's attainable. And you say here today, you may say, well, pastor, you're pastor. People's skills comes easy for you. You're friendly. You, it, just natural for you. It wasn't natural for me. When I walked into the room when I, I was young, I felt dumb that if I'd speak, people would make fun of me. And I'd go in and not say a word. I was shy, intimidated. But my dad preached and taught. If they don't have the gospel, they're going to be lost. And when I thought of the goodness of Jesus and the good life in my family, feel like it's not fair if I don't share what God's done for me. Crooked feet, a blessed life. And that, that book that I fell in love with when my pastor would preach and when my dad would preach, and the miracles I'd seen right before my eyes. And somebody that's sick and I'm not telling about he, he has 39 stripes on his back for them. It's not fair that if I have knowledge if you had cancer and I had to cure and didn't tell you, that would be abominable. That would be an abomination. If I had a cure to your sickness and I never told you and it was just right here with me, it would not, oh, I don't mean to go down this road tonight. And I'm burdened. I'm burdened. Because you say, well, Pastor, who am I going to teach? There's 7 billion people in the world. Seven billion people in the world. And we got in our mind, I don't know which one I'm going to teach. They're everywhere. I'm going to tell you something else. They're hungry and they're hurting. They're hungry and they're hurting. So you know what I did? I learned the hardest part of teaching the gospel is starting. It's to ask somebody, would you come to my house? Can I come down? Can I teach you? Can I teach you? And, and, and all of a sudden, I started studying that book in Calvary. And guess what God started doing? He started putting Buster Glassman's in my life. He started putting people in airplanes beside me. He started putting people at, at restaurants that had been praying for God to send them somebody. People in hotel rooms that was praying that God would change their life and begin to hear me pray and knock on my door and ask me for help. I'm just telling you that there is power. And when you start studying and say, I am not going to live this life and never share this gospel that I love with nobody. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, I feel, Brother Nehemiah, I feel a critical moment tonight. I feel a shifting moment in somebody's life. I feel a shifting moment that there's something that God's giving you that moment. I don't want to stand. I'm not trying to guilt you into it. But the Bible says to whom much is given. Much is required. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that anointing? What, what, what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do with, with, with 32 years of Bible teaching that you received? What are you going to do with it? I'm going to tell you. You'll make a covenant with God tonight. Say, I'm going to stay in the book. I'm going to learn. I'm going to call the office. Say, I need to, I, I'm going to call one of the elders. I'm going to have somebody teach me how to teach. I went to my dad and I said, Dad, would you teach me how to teach Bible study? And that's what I did. And I just, 14, 15 years old, I started asking people, can I teach you Bible study? I said, build a relationship. And that boy that had to tell me something. I said, can I share the gospel with you? Can I, would you mind if I teach? Yeah, it would be all right. And I started seeing what God did in you. I saw him doing many people. Matter of fact, he would interrupt my Bible studies. Come in the room. 
crying. I said, I feel is God. Called where any two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, There I am in full. You know what I've learned? It could be in a living room, it could be in a Starbucks. It's happened in Shoney's restaurants. Y'all remember what Shoney's was? When I started talking about him, he showed up. People start crying. What is that? That's the Lord. That's Jesus. I said, I feel that's God. That's, that's God coming to touch you until you. He wants to change your life. And I've watched them repent on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and, of course, on Sundays. And what God wants to do to you is to turn you from a believer to a disciple. Definition of a disciple is a, is a student who is teaching. I want you to touch your, touch your heart and say, a disciple is a student. Who is teaching? I'm a student, Brother Brown. I still sit at the feet of Jesus and great preachers. I'm still learning. But a disciple is someone that's learning and is teaching what they've learned. Don't have to be in church 20 years. Might have been here for two months. Go find somebody and tell them what God did for you. He took my sins away. Oh, can you say amen? I feel in my spirit to challenge you tonight. If there's somebody in this room that says, I am going to start. I'm going to start. I'm making a... What the preacher said, you need to get off your heels and get on your toes. You've been pushed back by opposition, but get on your toes in expectation. He didn't know I've been telling people to lean forward on their toes. How many know that? I want everybody in the building to lean forward and say, I'm expecting God to do something in our family like he's never done before. Come on, he's going to do it. I want every living room in this church represented. I want you to go home and stay in your living room and say, this is going to be a place where God's going to move. This is going to be needed for the kingdom. If you're here today and you're going to start, you're going to make a step towards starting a prayer meeting in your home. It'll come together. This is going to start with you and your family. I want you to come. You're saying, I'm starting prayer in the house. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I know many of you do. I realize. I realize who I'm preaching to tonight. What are you doing? I'm provoking you to love and greatness and faith and power. And the Lord's going to visit. He's going to visit your altar. He always visits the altars that's built before him. Hallelujah. Yes, you need to be at church when the doors are open. But yes, it needs to be kept alive on a local level in your, in your home. <laughs> God's going to bring conviction. God's going to bring repentance. There's an old-fashioned revival about to take place in your heart. Oh, God. Oh, God. Your house could be the center of your community. Come on, hallelujah. I want you to begin to lift your voice and say, God, I am, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go to the living room tonight and I'm going to pray over my house that there will be a move of your spirit there.
want you to go go home and I want you to start a, a prayer meeting you and Jesus and your family in the living room you just got to start everybody say you just got to start and guess what's going to happen? It's just going to take your hand and say, it's just going to happen. It's going to unfold. It's just going to take place. Next thing you know, there'll be somebody in your house because God led them there. They're going to sit down. I had a, had a banker come in. I'm not trying to keep you. I just feel so heavy. But uh, I had a banker come to the office one time to talk business. And he come down and sat down. We'd just been in a powerful prayer meeting. Prayer revival, I believe we were in. I mean, it was so powerful in the church. He sat down and started crying. He said, I don't know what's... He started opening his heart and telling me about his life. He said, I don't ever do this. What is it? I said, it's God touching you. We stopped. We didn't talk business. I got him. I said, you ready to pray? You ready to seek the Lord, aren't you? He said, I am. I led him right here. He repented right here. Woo. That's powerful. That's what this is about. I, I, I wasn't preaching the gospel. The atmosphere was set. He started feeling when he sat down in the room. That's what happens. I've seen in those prayer revivals, people walk by, secretaries can tell you, walk by and they stop, they come and knock on the door. I need God. I was walking by the church and I felt so strongly I need to come here. Tell me prayer would do. You'll start it in your house. Come to church Sunday and take it home with you. Kindle it. You got to guard it. Everybody take your hands. Say, you got to guard the fire. If you're not careful, you turn on a bunch of stuff and get home tonight and the fire will go out. Get a guard it. Go home and say, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the Lord here tonight. And people's lives are changed and converted. Brother Noah, he walked in the business the other day. Here in, here in town, one of the, somebody in the church, when he went and turned to a prayer meeting, everybody there started seeking the Lord. Powerful, isn't it? I want to envy. Everybody, I'm going to let you go. Everybody touch your chest and say, the kingdom is in you. Everybody say, the kingdom is in you. You got to guard what gets in you. But if you will let that fire be the killer in your heart, I promise it's going to spread. It's going. There's a fire burning. How many love the Lord here tonight? Amen. I believe God's going to do something great in your family, your children. Let them hear you pray. Amen. It's going to be a powerful Sunday. You want to come and hear Brother Edwards is going to be teaching at 10 a.m. Our first word. So excited. What a great teacher. Aren't we so thankful for the Edwards family? They are the great people. Amen. I want to be here for that. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. Won't you shake hands with somebody? Connect with somebody. You connect with somebody. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.